Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings a wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And that's Not Just Blowing Smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. All right, everybody. Hello there Hold and welcome. We're almost there. Okay. And here we go. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here tonight it is time for not just blowing smoke coming at you live from twin smoke shop studio headquarters in hooks at new hampshire be sure to subscribe to us where you're watching whether it be facebook or youtube and uh, if you're listening after the fact whether it be on uh, iHeartRadio, podbean uh, spotify pandora google wherever you get your podcast from remember you hit that, that subscribe button so that you don't ever miss a thing i am pastor padrone and this is our first night without Pablo Maduro, Aww. and uh, this is this is your new crew, people. You've got Pastor Padron, you've got Brother Broadleaf, you have Patwente. Only Patwente is Patwente, and above my head is Daved and Confused, Lord. our producer. <laughs> and tonight we are smoking this, the Aladino Queens. Connecticut Perfecto, and um, it is a uh, five and a quarter inch by 46 ring gauge cigar. It's got an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, Honduran binder filler, and um, uh, we are just uh, cutting it open and lighting it up. And what are we drinking with this tonight, Pat? So we're drinking uh, Jameson Cold Brew. It's a cold brew infused Irish whiskey from Jameson, obviously. It's 60 proof, so it's one of those easy drinkers. And mm. if you enjoy coffee and want something that's not really overbearing or powerful, then it's a really nice kind of cigar sipper. Also really good in cocktails, but mm. I like drinking it straight. Yeah, me too. It's good stuff. Makes me think of Talia. Aw, we love you, Talia. Mm-hmm. Where'd it go? There it is. Ow! <laughs> All right. And she's back. Very good. So um, hmm. what are you guys thinking as we just uh, light this up here? First thing, citrus. You know, it's got like that citrus tang to it. Smooth. It's creamy. Rather broadly. My first puff was just straight up cedar. It was mm. really quite good. And just letting it uh, burn in a little bit. I do get that citrus Dave is talking about. Just a touch mm -hmm. of it. But right now, I'm just in a lot of cedar. Mm -hmm. Pat, what about yourself? So, what, like, I'll call it the nipple, like the tapered foot. The nipple. Once you light it up, to Shell's point, you get, like, a nice amount of cedar. But then when you start getting into the thicker gauge or the Perfecto, mm -hmm. you start getting a lot of that Honduran Corojo fillers, um, flavors. And it, honestly, for a Connecticut, an Ecuadorian Connecticut cigar, it has more body than i typically get in mm -hmm. like a regular honduran connecticut like that crojo really makes a difference and it really adds a lot of like body as i said but you know you get like that 
nice strong kind of cinnamon note it's really creamy really nice spice on the retro hail mm -hmm. there is a little bit of citrus there from that wrapper and yeah overall like Honduran Corojo is one of my favorite tobaccos and usually I'm not a Connecticut smoker as we know but again if you have Honduran Corojo in it I'm gonna smoke it you're gonna smoke it you're gonna, yep. smoke it. No gonna smoke it yeah no I love Aladino I, I love uh, just about everything they make um, I don't think I've ever had this particular size in the Connecticut before. I enjoy their, their Connecticut um, cigars. Um, you know, they're, they are famous for featuring their um, traditional Corojo uh, tobacco in the binder and filler. And the original Aladino that came out, I think it was 2016, uh, was an all Corojo cigar. Uh, authentic Honduran Corojo wrapper binder filler. Then they came out with the Maduro, which had that same binder filler with the Maduro San Andreas uh, wrapper on it, and that was box pressed. And then they came out with Cameroon, which they grew themselves. And this, this is the fourth, the, the Connecticut. Usually you start with the Connecticut and right. you kind of go out from there because Connecticut is a very popular right. most most people are lighter smokers um, and so you'd start with that they ended with that and uh, but no surprise it's now their top selling uh, skew the uh, Connecticut style things mm. do you know where the uh, name Aladino came from Dan I do I do know where it came from wasn't it Aladdin no. no, it's um. If if you know Dan, you can explain it. I can't. Doesn't matter. It's uh. It was the name of a movie theater. Yeah, that was owned, well, operated by Husso and Christian's grandfather. Mm -hmm. So that movie theater, to my understanding, is what Christian's factory is currently out of. And then the name Aladino, which it was um, the name of it was. I actually lost El Cine Aladino. Aladino. That's what mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. So. Pusto used Aladino when he launched it in 2016, which I think his brand started in 2000. JRE Tobacco, that was like early 2000s, like it was like 2005, 2006. But I think they ended with the Connecticut, because to the point I made earlier, like Hondoan Corojo to me is a strong, it's, I'm not going to call it a stronger tobacco, but I feel like it just does very well in that kind of, I feel like it's more full flavored. Yeah, it's more fuller flavored. Yeah. And I mean, the whole thing with Aladino was he wanted to kind of reminisce in like the glory age of cigars, which is between like 1947 and 1961. So it's more of like that, that Cuban. So yeah. like, to me, Aladino is like a Cuban full bodied cigar. And then obviously to the American market, that's going to be more of like your strong medium kind of range. Mm -hmm. So I just think like the way that they have their cigars like it just goes so well with like the, like the maduro for instance like that mm -hmm. is like an absolutely phenomenal cigar so i am happy they did a connecticut because you know i need a coffee cigar but yeah <laughs> um it's you know it just with that hondoan corojo tobacco like there's just mm -hmm. so many things that just come out of it that's awesome like the cre signature like the, again hondoan corojo binder and filler mm -hmm. that um hondoan canroon wrapper which again i, I haven't had a other Honduran Canroon cigar. It's usually obviously African Canroon, but yeah, they're doing really, really good stuff right now. 
Yeah, they're going great. And, you know, to your point, Pat, this cigar goes fantastic with coffee. And now that we're kind of post-Memorial Day, we've kind of had the unofficial beginning of summer, and we've certainly already seen the uptick of people um, buying and flying, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so that they can sit on the porch, by the fire, you know, whether they're doing a barbecue or something. But this this is the kind of year, this is the time of year when people get a cigar, they love to go out, sit on the porch, sit on the deck, and have a cigar. And this is, to my mind, a great morning smoke cigar. This is a cigar that is going to have lots of flavor going on with it. You're going to really enjoy it. Uh, but it's going to go fantastic with that morning cup of coffee. I think the um, doing the uh, um, cold brew was a great idea, Pat. What What do you think of the pairing, by the way, guys? So far, so good. Mm. Yeah, obviously the cold brew is, <laughs> you know, you don't really need to be like an aficionado to dissect what the cold brew is going to bring out, but it's like a very nice subdued, Honestly, awkwardly enough, I think it's kind of a raisiny, sweet kind of flavor, but then you get, like, obviously a lot of coffee notes, right. like, and not just, like, your typical black coffee. It's, it's obviously a little bit of a sweetened coffee. Yeah. It's like fresh grounds, actually. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about the pairing that caught me off guard is you would think that it would add sweetness to the cigar itself, but the cigar is making the drink's finish be more of a ground coffee bean type flavor. Like, it's mm. not like the sweet kind of cold brew coffee from the drink, but it's a really earthy, ground cocoa bean kind of right. flavor through right. the finish. Corot is actually adding body to the drink, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, in the opposite direction, I'm getting a lot more cream, as Dave said, on the retro hill with the, uh, with the Jameson. As I take a sip, retrohale, it's a burst of cream. Mm. Creme. Creme. Why do you think people, and I, I, well, maybe I'm making an assumption here, but I'm kind of getting the idea listening that at least you and I, Pat, when we're having coffee, having a lighter wrapper cigar or a nice Connecticut is kind of what you want. Oh, why do you think that is that that people tend to have a Connecticut cigar with a cup of coffee? I think, for, I mean, my, from my experience, which maybe a translate to what you do, Dan, is when I'm sitting with coffee, like my intent is to have a cup of coffee. Where you know, at night when I'm smoking a fuller-bodied cigar, like I prefer, it's because I want to smoke a cigar. So I just think naturally what's going to go well with a coffee is going to be that kind of creamy kind of complimentary pairing to it. So mm-hmm. I think because you're sitting down with the intent to drink coffee and then the cigar is just an added gag to that experience. I think that's why Connecticut's are probably reach for. That's at least why I reach for them. How do you typically take your coffee? Is it black? Black. So, I mean, you prefer the lighter mm-hmm. with black coffee? Yeah, I like cappuccinos, but mm-hmm. you know, if I'm just every day it's going to be black coffee, but I do enjoy like a cappuccino. I don't like lattes. If I'm going to have any cream in it, it's still going to be a very dark color. Right. And then maybe a little bit of foam on top. But, I, you know, people that go to Dunks and they're like, I want like a quad pump of sugar and like five cream. Don't look at me, Dan. That's not me anymore. <laughs> but, you know, I, I like tasting the coffee. And like there's different right. blends of coffee from different regions. And they all kind of have like different 
flavors to it so it's, it's the same with cigars really like right. it's I, I like tasting the coffee not whatever right. you're putting into it which is why i think a connecticut is the right choice for it because it's not going to change the coffee it's just going to give it more of like a smooth like a smoothing out creamy kind of finish to it i could see this going really well with like you said a latte or a creamy espresso something on the sweeter side that would really um bring out the flavors of a cigar as well i personally do black coffee Black, black, blackity, black, black. And so I, I tend to have a darker cigar with my coffee as well to get that, you know, that natural sweetness out of the cigar. Black or black. I think the other thing with <laughs> with coffee is they both, usually a Connecticut cigar and, and coffee have kind of like a citrus thing going on, you know, like that tang that you get. I think they're very similar. I definitely, you know, think that the creaminess of the cigar cre cream and coffee i think kind of go together this way you get your cream without messing up your coffee and you don't get the calories either because there's that calories yeah the big thing with like people that put cream in i think it's because like there's a bitterness to coffee which is also why retrospectively it's the best cigar pairing it's just because mm -hmm. of the way your palate works like that kind of acidic -y texture of the coffee is going to just go really well with the cigar but I think, you know, obviously, the reason why people put cream in it is because, like, that finish on black right, coffee right. is really bitter. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to remember why I just made that point. <laughs> because coffee. Because coffee. <laughs> so, yeah, so this there we go. Why, so, this is what I, I we're think, talking about why yeah, yeah, yeah. puts cream in his coffee. So the, the reason why people put cream in it is to kind of combat that kind of bitter finish. And right. I think that's why the Connecticut comes in so well with it mm -hmm. because you don't have to sacrifice the flavor of the coffee. But then that kind of like rigged finish on a black coffee mm -hmm. gets soothed out by having a creamy Connecticut, a point, yeah. which I think many other cigars, again, like to me, coffee is like hands down the best pairing of any. You can have a coffee oh, yeah. with any cigar right. and it's not yep. going to do anything bad to it. Coffee and tobacco just go together. Now, the spirit, I don't think the coffee's not going to enhance a cigar like a, the correct spirit pairing would, but it's just one of those like very reliable pairings. But honestly, what I've been finding especially with the like our wk torpedo mm -hmm. and i think this cigar would line up well is connecticut's also like a really really good beer like ipa pairing as well yes. also because of that citrus tang because you know, i wouldn't really that. look at it connecticut and the of it. yeah like if i'm drinking you know a nice peated scotch or just like many spirits i wouldn't really be thinking of a connecticut no, to be yeah. doing with it but yeah. then when i think of like a beer or like a coffee or even like one of those like you know lighter proof spirits like you know like you know the jameson cold brew for whatever reason a connecticut is what comes to my mind like i'm not thinking of like a fuller body you know like neanderthal or anything like yeah. that it's just naturally the connecticut for whatever reason is going to be even though i don't smoke them often but that's just what i feel is the right. proper pairing for it mm -hmm. um now i i want to clarify on on the whole citrus thing that we're tasting it to me I, there's definitely the citrus there. The the way I would describe it is more like a zest mm. than a tang. It, it's more like the the zesting of a of an orange right. to me. You know, when I when I think tang, I think really sour or bitter. And this isn't that. There, there's a real creaminess to this. It, it it's not it's not like you're it's not the kind of a citrus taste that makes you pucker no it's it's a, a, almost got a sweetness to it right and that 
that's the difference to me uh, uh, that maybe is my terminology but is that what you guys are experiencing yeah it's like when you if i was going to say that i'd probably say something more along the lines of like maybe even a lime zest because there's no orange to it at all you know it's like that refreshing kind of flavor you there get you go, when you yeah. have almost like a, a lime or an orange like it's not that bitterness of it but it's refreshing that's why i don't people... get i like, don't get lime at all like uh like the like when you crack open a can of sprite and you get this fizz mm -hmm. and it's like that smell right there that smell i hear what you're saying with the with the tang parts not so mm -hmm. much the pungent of tang gets that little sizzle you get on your tongue and you kind of get that from the cigar with the, with the citrus part of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like if you were to squeeze like an orange into a water, you know what I mean? Like it's going to be that really like refreshing kind of citrusy yeah. note. Yeah. It's not sour. Yeah. It's not bitter. Yeah. It's not that's, really that's what the I'm dominant profile. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a very like refreshing, subtle citrusy sweetness. Mm -hmm. Not the same mind is burning like Freddy Krueger in the basement. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> really fast well done <laughs> well done <laughs> yeah mine started off a little bit wonky yeah mine um, did as well but it it uh self-corrected yeah and um aladino is infamous for is their absolutely amazing construction yeah and uh um it is burning a little bit faster than i expected but the the taste on this is phenomenal and the draw is so open you can just take it in and it sucks mm -hmm. it right up now, Pat, I know you're a big Aladino fan. What are what are some other uh, Aladino um, factoids? Factoids that you might be able to share with our uh, listening audience. So I, I mean, I can just speak to my favorite Aladino cigar, which is the Corojo Reserve Corona, mm, which is four. yes, which is a limited release that we have a bunch of at Twins, and I don't know if they've increased production, but. I want to say it's usually 800 boxes. Yep. But and, and that may be consistent every year. But we have some at Twins that date back to like the like 2019 releases. Mm -hmm. And the unique they thing about awesome. <clears throat> that blend amongst the Corojo is they actually age that tobacco for three to four years before making the Corona. And it's mm -hmm. going to be like a more of a Lajero blend. So it's fuller bodied, more strength to it. So on top of it being three to four years aged already, we've had boxes that were released two to three years ago. So you're looking at like a five to six aged cigar with like mm -hmm. predominantly a Lajero yeah. blend. Yeah. And to me, that's like my favorite Aladino because I'm a Corona guy. We all know that. But the amount of like that, I'll call it like that Honduran spice. It's kind of like that cinnamon baker spice, but it's a really nice, intense like like baking spice forward which mm -hmm. the thing about like when i say like the baking spice the reason and that's why dominican cigars is something i lean to as well is i like a really spicy cigar especially on the retro hail mm -hmm. but with a cinnamon kind of spice like that lighter kind of spice character you can get that intensity but it doesn't overshadow any of the other flavors where mm -hmm. if you get like a nicaraguan spice bomb i characterize nicaraguan tobacco to be more of like that white pepper. peppercorn right. white pepper peppercorn there's some yep. like red pepper there i guess that's more san andreas but anyway mm. um and it it can sometimes overshadow like more of the complexities of the cigar so with the honduran corojo especially like that line like it does an awesome job on putting that spice to the forefront but you're still getting like those savory kind of creamy 
flavors and like that you know creamy earth flavors you look for in Honduran tobacco so that's why like that line's hands down my favorite if you haven't tried it you 100% need to mm -hmm. um here's a I think what is a good topic for us to talk about uh, one of the benefits of having uh Mr. Broadleaf on with us is that um that means that all four of us enjoy uh TV, binge watching stuff, movies. Mm, you can't really yes. talk about Star Wars with Paul because he doesn't know what that he doesn't know what that was. <laughs> he doesn't know what Star yeah. Wars is. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like Darth Darth who? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so but there anything, are anything other than X Files, that's about it. <laughs> here, here, well, he liked mob stuff. Yes. You know, and he was really big into that. The Sopranos, I think, was his favorite thing. And I'll, at his at his bequest, I have started watching The Sopranos. I've gotten like eight or nine episodes in, and I'm still not hooked. I don't know if it's because I'm nuts, or I'm just in a different universe or whatever. But whatever got him hooked has not yet hooked right. me. I just uh, I'm not. Well, if you don't have that kind of mob movie-based Sopranos, isn't going to speak to you yeah. too much. Either. Yeah. But I haven't watched Godfather like 5,000 times and seen Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of great stuff that's coming out in the next uh, couple of months on the streaming services. Um, we've already seen the start of that with uh, Stranger Things 4. Awesome. And uh, awesome. Obi-Wan, mm -hmm. uh, the latest Star Wars series. Um this coming Friday, June third, the boys season three oh, comes oh. out. It's gonna be so uh, heavy. I tried. Then there's then there's the second half of uh Stranger Things in on July first. Um near the end of July, season four of Westworld on HBO comes out. I, all about I don't that. know if you guys have ever seen Westworld, but there there's some really good stuff that's coming. I, I, I may have missed one or two things. But I, I'm like so excited because I, I I've gotten to the the point in my life where between the how quick movies come out on TV and how expensive and kind of complicated it is to go to the movies. Right. Now you have to pick your seats and and popcorn is like twenty nine bucks, you know. And so if I take my kids to the movies. You know, we could all go to Longhorn Steakhouse and probably eat for about the same. So yeah. it, it's like a toss-up. Um, so I enjoy watching movies at my house. Mm. That's why I invest in a good home theater. So yes. I have a, you know, I've got a nice TV, got my smoking room, got the snackage, got the little ice box there, my little uh, liquor cabinet right next to me. It's 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 a dream. <laughs> it's a dream, you know. And if my mom's watching, she's probably having a heart attack right now. But, um, you know, I've already, I, I, this, this past Friday, Stranger Things 4, the first half of season four came out. Mm -hmm. I've already finished it. And I didn't know there was a, I didn't know it was broken up. Mm -hmm. So when it ended, I was like, what? Why did I just waste my time? Oh, it's July. I can wait till July. If they were going to make me wait till next year, I was going to, you know, write Netflix and say, this is why you're losing money. Mm. You know, but um, what are you guys excited? Have you 
watched any of this stuff? Are yeah, you guys I watched, excited about any I of it? I watched like the first four episodes of uh, Stranger Things, and I've been like, I've liked it so much that literally I'm only watching one episode a night, just so I can savor it. Right. You know. Right. Plus, now that the newest stuff is coming out in July, that's like even more reason yeah. to like wait a little. Um, and I watched first two episodes of Kenobi. That was, you know, um, it was better than what I thought it would be. I still think they could have done better, yeah. but um, I thought it was great. I, I don't, I don't. That's slow. Yeah, but is it is it another is it another slow burn show? No, no, it's not. It's not like Mandalorian or 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 Boba Fett at all. It doesn't have any of that old Western feel like to Boba it. Boba Black. That's mm, horrible. I think it is a slow burner show, to be honest with you. Like, I really liked it. Because yeah. I don't really watch TV, but I'm a huge Star Wars fanatic, so yeah. it's something that I'm always going to do. Mm-hmm. And it it's it's fast-paced, like, there's a good amount of action in it, but they're, like, teasing you with different things that I think, like, if you're watching it as the episodes are getting released, it's going to kind of frustrate you. But I think if you were to go and you watch every episode in one like kind of movie line mm-hmm. it would be good because for instance like the big thing with everyone wants, wants to see anakin they want to see Darth vader and they want to see like obi-wan be a badass really and like during the, the shows you know obi-wan had his lightsaber but and it looked like he was going to ignite it but he didn't and the, they're doing that on purpose because they're like oh he's going to do it and then he doesn't mm-hmm. and then it, it's a lot of you know obviously spoilers if you haven't watched it if you're one of the two people watching, turn it off. But it's getting worse. <laughs> but, um, you're not far off that. <laughs> but um, so it's. I think they're doing a good job, kind of, with the fan service. Like it's everyone was kind of like wondering if Obi Wan knew if Darth Vader was actually alive when he was hiding on Tatooine, and then they obviously show the time that he learned that he was still alive, and it was like a really good moment. I think that they're playing too much on emotion because, like, the entire time, it, like, Obi-Wan just looks like he's depressed, which I get, but they're really trying to hit that. But I think it's doing a good build-up for whatever they're planning on doing. But it could also disappoint you if they don't deliver what right, I'm expecting right. they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm scared of right now is because they've – that, that's my only complaint is it almost feels like they're doing the same trope they did with the, 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 the trilogy – and that's like you know, you know, Luke was all depressed and you know away, and he's like you know done with it. And that's almost how they're making Ben. Right. He's like depressed and done with it, and he's really not you know like all happy about anything. And you know he's like <clears throat> being so self-loathing. And I'm like, come on, can we get off this trope? Like, stop. <laughs> I think it's going to be a good arc for him. But the acting the was good. The only cringy thing that I was like, this is bad TV, is the Leia chase scene. <laughs> like, she would just climb over a branch, and, like, the bounty hunters chasing her would be like, oh, a branch, oh, God. And they yeah. <laughs> I know, he was, like, lifting this thing, like, oh. But it's like, well, one, one of the things I look for on Instagram is, like, Star Wars memes, and it's like, yeah. there's so many memes. Like, there's yep. one of, like, these college kids running through their dorm, and, like, one guy takes a little bucket and puts it on the in the hallway and he runs away and then the guy is like oh bucket he's like trying to get around the bucket <laughs> that was so, awesome that, that was totally really... how it was too is they were like it's like the branch got bigger you know she like ran under it and they're like oh how do i how do i 
<laughs> I have to oh, go wow. around this. Oh, like, my yeah, doctor do him. Well, if you looked at the Leia character, she never really has had a whole lot to do before. She's always been the MacGuffin, the thing to go after, the thing to save. Mm -hmm. And now they're trying to build a character. I don't know how you guys feel about her just doing stuff to do stuff so she's in you know in the in the storyline well see that's yeah, the other thing yeah. too is they're giving luke the shaft again yeah you know and yeah. that's what you know i'm like come on man well it's like i think that because like when you see luke it's like a distant thing over like monoculars and everything and I, it's just i think that there's things that they know the fans want and right. they're trying to like build it up to do it you know mm -hmm. what i mean well to that point they want to give that fan service but also they're going to get blowback if they keep bringing back the same characters because people get mad in a new show, then there's an old character. And then you have those Star Wars character. fanatics that are like, for instance, if Obi-Wan had huge interactions with Luke, mm -hmm. when you watch the movies over again, it's going to be, you know, when Luke sees Obi-Wan, it's like... Well, he, it's, he knew him. He didn't know him, but it's like you have to, you, you can't taint the movies with something new that comes out. Like, for instance, like, people already dissected, well... Did Obi-Wan fight Vader before episode four? And the big thing was, you know, Vader said, we meet again. So that could be interpreted as, you know, from episode three, or it also kind of opened the way that it makes sense that they had another meet before the, you know. Well, there's no there's no time associated with right. it. I mean, he said, last time we met, you were the master, you know, now I am. You know, I mean, that could have been like fucking a year ago, you know, you don't. <laughs> We don't know. Yeah, so it's just a lot of like fans are just making sure whatever happens kind of plays into. Well, that's yeah, the, the benefits of being able to write backwards. Good job, George Lucas. Yeah. What I'm excited about is that it's it's it was announced that uh, the rebels characters are going to appear in Ahsoka, which is good. Yeah, and I've like, watched all, all the TV series. I don't even care about any of them except Chopper. All I want to see care? is Chopper. I just want to see. I want to see him like accidentally kill like a bunch of people because oh my god i'm i'm a big chopper <laughs> fan he is freaking awesome because yeah. he is like the most badass droid ever i love it the baddest asteroid ever. he has the highest kill content con uh he has yeah, the highest he's, your, he's an asteroid <laughs> I, but, but he's, he's an astromech yeah okay so yeah my kind of circling back a little bit you know my big fear about this too is that star wars really has that this one story arc that is played over and over yes. and over and the biggest change is the special effects get better yeah you know but the story really doesn't change mm -hmm. you know i i never understood you know in the original trilogy you know why the empire kept rebuilding the the Death Star. <laughs> try, like... try again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make another multi-billion-dollar moon. <laughs> yeah, With and the then same they... problem. <laughs> and then they did it again. Only this time they made it out of a planet. You know, it's just like, come on. Not only that, but then even the newest one. Now they just made like the Death Star beam on a thousand different destroyers. Yeah, it, it's like. Can we come up with something else? I mean, there was Star Blazers before there was all this stuff. I, mean, I think it's been done. That's why all the TV shows are like with episodes one through six because like that was, though. I, to me, one through six is like the best arc, and the Death Star is kind of annoying. But like the side stories that takes between them, like mm -hmm. without focusing on the Death Star, like mm -hmm. that's yeah. like if you watch like even like the cartoons and everything, like it's really really good. And they added a bunch of depth to the story, and that's why I think Obi Wan could be a success. I think they're going to integrate 
what was going on in those shows with Obi-Wan. Like, I'm sure, like, you're going to see Darth Maul, probably. I'm sure that you're going to see Commander Cody. There's going to be a bunch of players, like, characters that you wondered what happened after the movies that was never shown. Because, right. honestly, no one expected these characters to kind of have the screen time they have in the shows to be able to talk more about them. Right. But now that they've set those stories up, you can kind of continue them on. So, What did you think of the clone trooper bum? That was cool. That was pretty cool. <laughs> like, this guy has, like, the best freaking get going for him because, like, <laughs> this is, you could, he could literally, you could write in, like, a, you know, they meet a clone here, they meet a clone there, and it's totally feasible because there were, like, you know, literally, like, millions of them, you know? So he has, like, a, He's like a cash cow, man. <laughs> you can keep going back to him. I'm not going to lie. I thought that was going to be like Rex or something, but it was just like a little bum clone, but I thought yeah. it was going to be like a significant character, but it wasn't. But it was cool. All right. Let's let's uh, bring the conversation back around the cigars. <laughs> Enough of that. Enough of that. <laughs> Enough of that. Enough of that. A little Pastor Padron cigar confessions. Uh oh, here we go. Confessions. And it's that time of year where... <clears throat> It's getting warmer outside, mm -hmm. and that means when you're in your car, it's getting warm. Mm -hmm. And up until now, you know, there's there's always that time where where people, you know, in the in the early spring especially, you might leave your cigars in your car. And uh, as in in the in a bag, you know, oh, you, get, yeah, you yeah, leave yeah. them. In, don't bring them in the house. Um, this yeah. is the time of year where you don't want to do that, and just like the cold is bad for cigars, heat is bad for cigars too. Yes, yes. Yeah, I would even say it's worse, um, especially with uh, um, beetles and things like that. You know, it, you know, it's when they come alive. It's when they come alive. Uh, all tobacco leaf has beetle larvae in it, and uh, most places will actually freeze the cigars mm -hmm. before they're sent to the shop to kill the to kill the eggs but not everybody does that and so once it gets to be really humid and 80 degrees that's when the the magic starts to happen and people start to have a lot of problems with that yeah. but do not be leaving your cigars in the car make sure you take them out take them inside keep them cool you don't want to leave them in the sun you don't want to leave them uh out on your uh deck and forget about them. It's getting to that time of year where it will just, the heat will dry. There may be humidity in the air, but the heat can really hurt the cigar mm -hmm. too. You know, do you have a bunch of, um, do you have some like, stories that you've heard about people having construction issues or burning issues after they've left their cigars out for a while? In the summertime? <laughs> Not fun. admittedly. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this no, thing no, came no. about. I smoked this the other day and it came apart. Well, I find that what people, their cigars just are completely destroyed. Even before they try to smoke them, they're cracked and there's just visible construction issues. And so they don't have the chance to smoke them because they didn't properly take care of them. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have a way to store their cigars. Uh, not everybody is, has a tabletop humidor or you know, even a travel humidor. Mm -hmm. So they resort to Tupperware or just a plain box or something like that. So I find a lot of people don't even know about Bovita packs. And so they yeah. just have cigars <coughs> in a container of some sort and just hoping for the best. 
Now, can we? Can I do a little bit of venting about Boveda for, mm -hmm. for a little bit? Sure. Yeah. You know, now we tell people that cigars you want to keep around 70 70 mm -hmm. that's the magic number now is that really a hard and fast rule no like some people think no it's not but you know 70 70 is what the industry says mm -hmm. you should be keeping your cigars at and yet boveda offers a 69 percent and a 72 percent but not a 70 percent they offer 75 and 84 <laughs> and they, and I, I don't know why you would I, so so what's the deal with that I, i've never i've never understood that the 84 is supposedly the season your humidor i i i one of our customers here that's all he buys is 84s it's, i don't, I don't under, i'm like how do you even light those things man <laughs> i don't i don't understand that i don't understand that you can you can take a a glass of distilled water Put it in your humidor, shut the top, let it sit for a couple of days, and nature's going to take its course, and the water is going to get into the wood. You know, I don't understand why I would spend money on Boveda packs and then let them sit in my humidor for two weeks before I could even use the humidor. I, I don't understand that. Am I nuts? Are we specifically talking about the '84 or the '84s? Yeah, I mean the that the '84 pack is designed to season your humor, right. and I don't understand a why '84, why why not '80, why not '86, why not '85, why '84, and then why two weeks? You can't we come up with something to? move things mm. along if you know, i were to jump weeks. into the mind of a non-scientist working for boveda maybe it's a way to circumvent the temperature the actual temperature in your humidor against the pack so somewhere in between your actual temperatures where it's supposed to be by using this pack and your room temperature that's just a guy talking in a marketing media i don't know <laughs> you have an idea pat usually think you're smarter than anyone else in the room do you have an idea about why that's true i'm sure there's something that they did that brought you know because 69 maybe because 70 would like maybe like the, i don't know there must be some kind of like a 69 is really going to do 70 or whatever like there's no guarantees on the pack that it's going to be 69 right, so right. maybe it's or maybe if you buy a 69 and a 72, the law of averages, it'll be 70, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I mean, the way those packs work, I mean, it's it's going to get to the highest percentage that's there. Right. Because the 72 will put out until it gets to 72. The 69 will absorb anything over 69. So it's it's eventually going to go all into the 69. The pack's going to explode and then... Wow. Not really but but <laughs> you know what i'm saying i mean i'm just curious as to why if the industry standard is 70 percent, and again i admit that that's kind of an arbitrary thing but if the standard is 70 why is the the number one humidification system avoiding the 70 number it'll go below it it'll go above it but it won't let you get at it maybe there's some sort of 
trademarking or copyright or something something that has to do with they can't use 70 exactly for some reason maybe maybe Cause with me like long-term storage i use like the i forget the scientific name but the fluid you use for, with the gel balls yeah the um uh propylene glycol yeah and i keep like that stuff I'm I'm weird. So for whatever reason, I okay. keep Dominican cigars at seventy. Mm-hmm. For, I don't know why. It just that's how I found that they smoke the best. And with that, I could put it in one of my cooler doors, and every time I open it up, it's at seventy. Mm-hmm. But then I use Boveda packs for like my Cuban and Nicaraguans because typically they go in the low sixties. Even though it, it's not a low sixty pack, but because mm-hmm. I, I, I like between sixty, I, I like sixty two. That's like my sweet spot. I like drier more than like if I have like a thick oily broadleaf like a Liga, mm-hmm. I like it to be drier when I'm smoking it because like the oil is gonna you know you don't right, want it to be too right. humid. So sixty five is kind of my sweet spot. Sixty five, yeah. sixty seven. That's where I like most of my stuff. That and you know not only do I find, you know, I, I that that whole truth you know wet things don't burn. I I it, they to me they burn better when they're a little bit drier. Yeah. Yeah, as long as they're not cracking, which I think yeah. if you get to the low 60s, they're still not going to crack. The 50s is kind of when you run into the mm-hmm. issue. Like the cigars that I brought last week, mm-hmm. that, that came out, I think my humidor was at like 60 when I when I brought well. those. Those burned fantastic. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with them. Um, it still had lots of oil in them too. Yep. I, there was no issues there. Um, what's our final verdict here on the uh, Aladino Queens, Connecticut? Um I think, for me, this was great. Uh, the burn started funny. It, um, I, and usually I don't get that with the uh, nipple-ended cigars. You uh-huh. light that up and everything tends to burn fairly straight. This went down the one side, but, you know, once, it, once you know, about 10, 15 minutes into the cigar, it self-corrected, and the burn's been solid all the way down. The draw's been great. The flavor's been great. That citrus, that cedar, lots of cedar off of this cigar. Very creamy. Um, that um, little bit of uh, cinnamon in there too. Cinnamon kind of uh, spice. Great, great cigar. Shell. Yeah, we've uh, discussed in previous episodes. Connecticut's not my favorite thing, but this is definitely one I would recommend for someone who's starting out. Or someone who's looking for a more complex Connecticut. Mm. Um, they like light, but they want to step up just a little bit and taste other mm-hmm. flavors. I would say move up from the from the Charter Oak Shade, Connecticut Shade, to this and see what they get out of it. The difference was Pat <clears throat> So just based on like the final third of the cigar, obviously I, I enjoyed it a lot. The um, I think that citrusy note is coming from like like the mouth, like from touching the tobacco mm. like your tongue touching the tobacco when you're drawing it's yeah. like I, i've noticed that it leaves kind of like this oily coating on your tongue mm-hmm. and i think that might be where the citrusy notes coming from but th- yeah the back third of it it ticks to like i would say a medium plus like it's it's definitely yeah. a little bit more of a stronger cigar mm. and like you know paul would <laughs> probably say like bunch of cedar like creamy cedar and you're getting a lot of upfront cedar and like kind of like this maple wood kind of flavor. It gets a really sweet, like woody note to it. And it's, yeah, it's definitely like if you, like to Shell's point, 
if you ended this cigar, you could pull up like a to me a medium plus cigar and kind of start where you, where you ended. Like it, it definitely gets from that mild from the nipple of the foot, a little bit of like a strong kind of medium, and then by the end of it, you're at around to me a medium plus. Ooh. Dave, and confused. Mm. I think to me it's like more like just a perfect medium, but the um, it is so creamy. The construction mm. is great. Um, I that's one of the things I when someone's looking for something that's like uh, um, more along the lines of like a Davidoff, but not that that is expensive. I, I always go to Aladino because I feel like their construction is, is just as good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the balance of like the cedar, the, the typical like uh, tang you get from a, a Connecticut. Um, this is just like, to me, this is like, the epitome of like a perfect breakfast cigar you know perfect coffee pairing like when i say medium plus like i'm only saying that because like i just i took a draw from this maybe a minute ago mm-hmm. and i still have have that thick creamy like sweet woody texture on my palate Ooh. so it's definitely it's a, a long finish yeah and like when i do like the different bodies of the cigar i base it off that finish so it's like definitely medium plus at this point like nicotine wise it's not right yeah like Nic- it's not a fuller yeah, well, strength it's like cigar. medium plus flavored yeah but right not, yeah not strength yeah yeah, yeah so, totally yeah. agree Definitely. totally agree all right uh we'll be back in just a few minutes and we're going to be smoking this gigantic tin we're going to be smoking all of it all of it all of it no not really but we'll be green. back in a few minutes don't go anywhere all right, everybody, we are back, and we are smoking this humongous tin. This is Cornell and Deal's latest small batch release. It's an original small batch release, first time they've done it, and it is called Palmetto Balkan. And uh, Palmetto, uh, because that is the state tree of South Carolina where Cornell and Deal is, and Balkan because, well, it's a Balkan blend. Doesn't that make sense? Now, uh, from the tin here, let me read what it says. Um, uh, Let's see. Our unique interpretation of the Oriental Forward blends of yesteryear. Palmetto Balkan features matured 2018 Izmir and 2019 Basma varietals. Top tier 2017 and 2019 Carolina Red, Virginia's, mm. and Cypriot Latakia, enhanced by a special proprietary process. Proprietary. Rich with notes of wood smoke, berries, and baking spices. Oh, oh. Well, saw you, Pat. Right I didn't say it. <laughs> it showcases it a... Uh, uh, it showcases a velvety, wine-like character reminiscent of long-lost Syrian leaf. Now, uh, I happen to be good friends with uh, the people at, um, who get us this and uh, at uh, La DC Distribution Group, who owns uh, Cornell and & Deal, and uh, they won't tell me anything about what the process is. It's proprietary. It's proprietary <laughs> for a reason. They don't want uh, Pastor Padron talking about it on the internet, but what they had what the process is supposed to do is to take Cyprian Latakia and tone it down and deepen it a little bit so that it performs and tastes 
more like Syrian Latakia, which has not been available on the market for 20-something years. Uh, Syria is no longer allowed to make the stuff. They've made it, the government has made it illegal to burn the bush that was used to uh, fire cure the tobacco over there. Wow. So, um, yeah, one more reason to, to wonder why. I'm not even going to go there. Maybe but, it's endangered or something. So too much of it. this is, you know, supposed to uh, take away some of that campfireiness that you get in a typical Latakia. It's supposed to kind of make it a little more smoldery, a little more subdued. And um, we can talk about that and uh, how we think this might be different from other uh, Latakia blends, especially from Cornell and Deal that we've had in the past. Um, so you know what's in it. It is a uh, um, ribbon-cut tobacco. And for the second time in Cornell and Deal's uh, small batch history, they've released something in not a two-ounce tin. Uh, Folklore, I think, was the first uh, to come out in a one-pound brick earlier uh, this year. Mm -hmm. This comes out only in an eight-ounce uh, tin, and it is uh, 43.50, I believe, for the eight ounces at their MSRP. And um, there were only 3,000 tins uh, in production. Wow! So it's a very limited not a run. Not not a lot. Um, twins got uh, a very good amount of this at least you know they told me what i wanted what i was going to get and i said i'd like double that and we got double that so i'm very grateful for them for for letting that happen and we're more than halfway through our allotment after just a, a week or so of this being out mm. officially so um but I'm anxious to know what you guys think of this. Balkan blends are blends with that that include that include Oriental leaves and um, uh, Latakia. But instead of the Latakia being forward, the Orientals are forward, and that's what Balkan means at least in this case i certainly taste that oriental right up front mm -hmm. um that very stone fruit a little bit of berry-ish taste mm -hmm. to it um a lot of kia giving it that touch of sweetness uh, so far i'm liking this a lot mm. pat do you taste the baking spice in the baking spice so, so it definitely is a little bit of a baker's spice in it and <laughs> right off the light because for whatever reason, I've noticed with pipe tobacco, like mm -hmm. the initial light of it, if there's any like sweet characteristics in the tobacco, you typically get it forefronted on the top of the bowl. And, you know, before you read the tin, I was like saying like it, there's berry notes. In, I can't distinguish what mm -hmm. kind of fruit it is, yeah. but it was a very pulpy kind of berry. Mm -hmm. So and that's like one of the unique things that I've experienced so far with this pipe tobacco. But I think that having that Latakia be kind of toned down, because I'm a huge Latakia fan. Mm -hmm. I think that it does a good job. It, it kind of makes those Orientals more aggressive. Mm -hmm. I, I think the texture from the Latakia is really 
kind of developing the Orientals to be more of like an aggressive, not like an intrusive, but more of a forefront kind of flavor. And there, there is like a hickory sweetness. I think that the Latakia yeah. might be kind of mm-hmm. adding to it. And I mean, the pairing tonight, we ended up doing a, a Pinot Noir um, wine from Line 39. It's a uh, 2018 vintage. And I mean, the tin said something about wine. So mm-hmm. I think this, ended, this is a pretty good pairing just based on that. But the wine definitely... It's obviously like very nice. It's it's red grapes, and little sweet. Well, I'm just trying to give a little product knowledge here. <laughs> Pinot Noir, we all know that. Red so grapes. it has obviously like that kind of citrus, um, like soury kind of sweetness to it. And then the wine also has like a nice like subdued spice on the finish. Mm-hmm. And I think that's playing really well with that kind of hickory and little bit of spice from the pipe I tobacco. Yes, in it you know, kind of coach your palate, and it just goes really, really well with the pipe tobacco. Dave? Uh, the pipe tobacco to me is really creamy. Um, I do like the, I feel like the the mouthfeel is more centered around the Orientals mm-hmm. as far as the, the lingering is concerned, which is nice. I love Orientals. Um, the stone fruit, I feel like, is very faint, mm-hmm. as well as, like, the, the Latakia. But it's it's very well blended. It's a very good mixture. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you on the creaminess, the smoothness of this. I get some floral notes and sweet and sour from the uh, Orientals there. Um, I think the Red Virginias are what's producing the base of that stone fruit wood, maybe notes of bread, you know, on the on the tongue. And the Latakia is just that nice, smoky, I, uh, to me, it's like a cedar. Mm. Uh, it's dark, smoky cedar. Um, I could see hickory, too, depending on your palate. Um, you know, and I also get some black tea and some cream from this. Um, I feel like the wine's bringing that out for me, too, the black tea. Yeah, and the, the, yeah. T- the, tan- the tannins in the wine, I think, are bringing that forward. Um, but the... The Pinot Noir, I think, is a great pairing with this. And that retro uh, hail is And it amazing goes amazing. so well with the Latakia. I think the smokiness of the Latakia goes great with the red wine. Mm. It just adds some depth to that uh, grape flavor. Yes. Uh, that's not a very wine thing to say, I know, no, but I, I don't have any of that. <laughs> I think another thing I like about it with the pairing is that, you know, the wine dries your mouth and then the smoke, you know, makes you salivate. Mm. So it's like it's all it's also like a good refresher. Mm. Well, as Pat said, I think this is a perfect pairing. I think they complement each other very well. As if uh if the wine were to be made a pipe tobacco, this is what it would be. Mm. Just that, that very fruitiness of the wine. Um just you can smell it off the bat. And as Pat as Pat said on the finish, you get that little bit of spicy. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Pat? Is it a good pairing? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's... I think the wine is a really nice setup for the draw from the pipe. And I think that the wine offers, again, like those kind of like sour sweet notes. It does dry your palate off. And it leaves you with a nice kind of like sensational spice on the palate. And then the pipe tobacco kind of takes that spice and kind of sweetens it to like that hickory kind of spicy woody note. And then it's also introducing like its own kind of fruity berry type flavors that kind of 
again like wetens your palate and just kind of like refreshes you to take another sip of the wine yeah it's pretty cool when we had like zero prep time for the pairing i was just like what do we got in the what do we got in the locker well you know what's kind of nice about it was this this was uh, left by uh pablo mm-hmm. we had intended to do it on another podcast and never got around to it so it just sat in our locker thank you pablo and so pablo contributes one last time mm. Uh, Thank you, perfect Pablo. pairing with the the uh, Palmetto Balkan here. Um, we sampled this at the the uh, May Pipe Club uh, a few weeks back, and everybody who tried it loved it. Um, and one person in particular said that uh, it reminded him of the old time Balkan Sobrani from twenty, thirty, forty years ago. Of course that long ago i was you know still running around in my underoos but he was still smoking and um he's been looking for that trying to get back wow. to that and this was the closest thing he'd ever found That's awesome so i was really happy with the response that we've been getting from it um very nice stuff uh, you know the for me you know i've shared on the show before i i kind of burned myself out with heavy latakia blends and um one of the things I like about the process they put this through is I still get to enjoy that Latakia, but it's not this palate-busting thing where after I've had it, I feel like if I have another bowl, I, I, I'm not going to really taste anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really think they did a great job. Absolutely. I'm wicked excited about that. Um, you know, we're talking through the break about some things that we were going to talk about uh, um this half of the show and i want to talk about one of those things first and that you know kind of getting back to the whole tv thing you know that uh certainly right now i think the big hit thing on is stranger things season four you guys stranger things fans watch that i haven't seen it you haven't seen it you haven't seen any of them no path all right all right so the first thing here is to for uh, Shell and Dave is to kind of explain what Stranger Things is and why Patrick watched Stranger Things. Well, it is the epitome of which, you know, probably the saddest thing for you, Pat, is that for us, <laughs> or for, for at least me and Dan here, this is a throwback to the 80s. Right. You know, when right. you watch this show, you can smell the 80s coming oh, off of it. Like, you know, everything. You can taste it. It's, it is like, if you and want to know what the 80s, 80s were like, this is this is it. Like, this is this that was life in the 80s. Like, everything is perfect. Um, and it is it, it is so nostalgic. Like, I'll, I'll even sometimes, you know, like after a show, I'll have, like, quick daydreams remembering stuff that happened in the 80s. And stuff, <laughs> because it's just like, wow, this, I remember this happened, this happened. Like, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. Wow. That's, that's, but it is such a well-thought-out, executed, and great acting. That's, it's really good. Really, It certainly really is good. a nostalgia trip, as, you know, David just said. If you want to know what the 80s felt like, you watch the show. From not just the you know the sets and the clothing and the hairstyles, uh, we're talking about lingo. We're talking about mm-hmm. um, mannerisms, mannerisms. Like, yes. oh. you know, just the pre-technology era. 
where everyone was just out doing things and trying to figure it out as opposed to being able to look at like up, even the like computers right were were perfect like right. they weren't you know they they got everything done like you know in like you know or people that had to like you know use uh hand the the receivers for the phones right. telephone booths like everything was oh, like the, the mannerisms you had when you were in the telephone right. booth. You know? one of the best things that way is there's a there's a reference in the show at one point to a a new computer that's 16 <laughs> uh -huh. and everyone nearly like pooped themselves they were like that's not even possible 16 bit what are you kidding you know and like anything on your anything on your yeah, I can't even save. The, you know, I have the show notes for my, you know, document that right. I. It's it's way over sixteen bit. Just that one file on the computer, let alone everything else. But just hearing that was just kind of funny. Just letting them know how things were coming along and everything. But Pat Pat wasn't there in the eighties, mm -hmm. so nostalgia can't be the reason for him to watch right. it. Why should he watch Stranger Things? If you're into Sci-fi thriller. Sci-fi thriller. I was gonna call it campy or D &D. horror. It's not, really, it's not really campy horror, which was what no, it's a, better than campy. right. Which yeah. was what the '80s had a lot of with campy horror, you know, kind of silly ridiculousness, but with a point. Um, if you like, uh, can I say lightweight horror? Because it's not hardcore, but on TV nowadays, you can do a lot more than you could back in the '80s. <laughs> so, if you like a little bit of blood. Like this season. Well, that would have been rated R back in the 80s. Right, like right. Things. If you brought it back to the 80s, it would have been like, oh, right. this is heavy stuff. Well, well, to your point, the things they're doing in season four, they, they kill certain characters. You're like, wow. Yeah. That was a child. Well, what? Well, see, <laughs> see, what happened because of yeah. that was like, you know, um, gosh darn it. Um, big hbo show game of thrones yeah, there we go yeah. it, it once game of thrones happened and and, and and now we're we we're living in the society where it's okay to kill main characters right, right and just cycle through them and that's like where stranger things is going well, i would think the walking dead kind of coined that one well it's close it's <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's kind of you know yeah. but can i say i had a tough time with season three of what of stranger things of stranger things yeah because it was just a lot of paired off teenagers arguing with each other mm -hmm. for the whole season mm -hmm. like i get it you're confused you don't know what to do let's let's argue about it it was, it was a bit rough yeah. well that was yeah. middle school <laughs> that was middle school <laughs> <laughs> and now we're in high school and it's like, now we're in oh. high school yeah one of the things i like about it is the, the the you know here you have this real serious you know multiverse kind of problem and the whole thing is being seen through and handled by middle school kids. Right. And so it's their perception of things, trying right. to describe it with their reality, their understanding. <laughs> and as they're getting older, everything is changing. You're kind of growing with them. And as, as the show gets, as the ki people grow up in the series, the problems get more and more adult. You know what yep. I got out of season three? It's fun to sing the theme from Never Ending Story. That's what I got. Mm -hmm. There you go. Um, but like all the things they're using to describe what the bad things that are going on are straight out of a D&D &D handbook. Yeah. And it's just yeah. so funny. It's, oh my gosh, it's awesome. And isn't that how the but show there's nowhere, started initially? But there's, yes. nowhere, yeah. there's yeah. nowhere else to, you know, it's like how would you describe something you don't know? Right. You know, right. you have to go from a base. And that was their base. 
so it's 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 uh it's really cool yeah so i looking at pat and i don't see that you've moved him at all he's not gonna watch, to, the show. To watch the show. <laughs> i know he's like paul right now he's, he's like yeah whatever Back so have you guys started watching season four Dave, started watching have, yep. have you been uh happy with season four over season three me uh yeah. so far yes yeah mm -hmm. there's new characters there's new issues um there's new socioeconomical issues you know mm -hmm. with robin and her deal mm -hmm. um with the boys kind of splitting up between sports and nerd stuff so there's other complexities now yeah that, that i appreciate yeah fitting in the, the whole right yeah right. yeah and then yeah oh what how far are you up so i'm to the part where uh I've watched four episodes, so I don't know. Oh, you're further than me. I'm up to where mom is trying to smash a Russian doll with <laughs> a rope or <laughs> something a, heavy from a, a tree. Paint, <laughs> paint can. Yes. You're, you're gonna love. You're gonna love four. You're gonna okay. love the episode. Oh, yeah. that really starts setting the stage for what's to come. Yeah. Oh, it's. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't wait. Okay. Without spoiling, does uh, Hopper's character develop a little more? Mm -hmm. A lot. Oh, because mm -hmm. season three. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. He was my. I hated him so much in season three. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't feel that was as profitable as I had wanted it to be. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the awkward silence. Yeah. They, we all agree. <laughs> so you know, one of the things that that we notice, you know, Dave and I notice here at the Hooksit store in the summer is that. The lounge basically empties out, mm -hmm. and everybody goes home, sits on their porch. We've talked about that. I mean, it, there's nothing like sitting out on a great morning or a great night on your porch, in your yard, on the deck or whatever, having a cigar, having a drink, having a coffee, whatever you're doing, sitting in front of the, uh, of the fire or barbecue or whatever you got, and th that's just something that everybody likes doing. And most people... I know anyway who enjoy a pipe or a cigar, their favorite place to do it would be outside. And so I totally get that. You buy and fly and you go out of here. But, you know, what kind of benefits are there for being in the lounge in the summertime? Well, one, there's air conditioning. <clears throat> yes. Yes. You know, and nice cool. No setting. bugs. No bugs. That's a big plus. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Air conditioning, no bugs. Right. Awesome. And I think um a lot of people take that opportunity to separate from their families and their significant other and have their personal time <laughs> in the lounge. <laughs> you hear that quite often, you know, from my customers. Uh, yep. It's just their time. Uh, you know, whether their spouse is agreeable to or kids. You know, or or kids. kids. Agreeable. Kids are forbidden here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whether they, you know their 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 families are agreeable to their smoking or not, you know this is their place they can come and relax and hang without any intervening any intervention, nobody complaining, nobody bothering them. Now, Pat, you you spend an awful lot of time in the lounge. Uh, why why do you enjoy coming to the lounge in the summer? So I mean, honestly, when the weather gets oh as it is now better. I do smoke at home, but the um, reasoning, I mean, so when I smoke cigars, I, when you smoke alone, it's still enjoyable, but I think like the whole experience of it, like that, 
social aspect of sure. it is one of the big things I look for. Mm-hmm. And I'm just fortunate that I'm close to my family and, you know, I sit with my dad and have a cigar like every day. And that's, we can do it outside. I like to do that because I enjoy that conversation sure. with them. But the perk of going to Twins, though, is, again, it's... In my opinion, even if you don't know anyone at the bar, if you're a new person, it's still a really tight niche kind of community, and anyone can sit there and, and get conversation of somebody. It could be a big wig at a company, and it could be a plumber. It doesn't matter who you are. Like I witness it every time I'm working. Someone that just comes in, sits down, and it's yeah. like the whole like social economical status isn't brought up into it. It's it's just people talking, like men and women talking, mm-hmm. and. The perk of going to Twins still, even though it's, you know, the weather's better, you can go on your patio and do it, is, for one, we have a patio. You know, you can still yep. sit outside, and we have that fire pit, but getting the whole experience of sitting with a bunch of people that have, like, the agreements that cigars is, at least in their lifestyle, may not be their, you know, diehard passion, but it's in their lifestyle. Right. And you can sit with people with similar interests to you and then engage in conversation that you may not be able to engage in unless you were sitting having a yes. cigar. Yes. Mm. Yes. You have anything to add to that, Dave? No. I just think it, I I think it's nice to get it's always nice to get away from the house, you know, and, and in a comfortable place and it, I think um being able to being able to socialize while cigar smoking is a good time it's always a good time there really is a real social aspect of the whole thing yes and um yeah it's it's great to be by yourself or with you know another but when you're in a place where everybody's enjoying that uh it ends up being kind of electric i think i really like it um yeah, I totally, totally agree that the lounge is not a place you want to just totally abandon in the summertime. No. You know, uh, Twins in Londonderry has the lounge and the and the full uh, 724 bar, the and anything that you could possibly want to drink is there. It's, there. <laughs> it's <laughs> amazing. You know, here at the Hooks at store, it's a very different vibe. Still a very good sized lounge. Yeah. But it's a BYOB place, so you can come, bring something, and enjoy it here. It's a little bit quieter. It's a little bit more subdued. But, you know, there's something like that. But there's people who come, and they like to talk and and sit, smoke, joke. And, and there's people who come every once in a while. There's people who come very often. Yep. And if you want to work, we've got great Internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least here we do. Yeah, at the exit store, we've got great Internet going on. What are you guys thinking of the pairing? Um, are you guys still thinking that this is working out well? Oh hell yeah, yeah! This is a really good pairing. I keep, I love taking a drink and then taking a smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dryness of the wine and then the Orientals of the the pipe tobacco really play so well together. Now, we've we've smoked. We've been doing a lot of bourbon drinking lately. Mm-hmm. And smoking and smoking the glass. What do you think would happen if we did that with the wine? Is that like uncouth? I think it is. You think it's uncouth? I think it is. <laughs> yeah. I think somewhere someone with their pinky out would not approve of us smoking this wine. <laughs> well, that yeah. means I'm going to do it. Oh, they're going to do it. <laughs> rebel, rebel. 
currently smoking glasses. There we go. I have to tell you, watching you guys smoke a wine glass is a little different from smoking a rocks glass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> See that there? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a different effect there. Yeah. Dave's got a nice witch's brew over there. Nice witch's brew. Yeah, look at that. Look at that, baby. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The um, when you do that, it takes some of the sweetness out of the wine, Ooh. and that's that smokiness is there, but it, it it brings out a woody flavor. Oh yeah, very woody, very woody, very woody. So is this woody good or bad? It's like a sweet wood, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So are we talking? Cedar plank on your grill with a bit of salmon, or are we talking hickory plank with a nice steak? Mm. I don't know. I think you'd have to find out there. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Okay. That means you have to reload. You have to reload your pipe. Reload up, re up. Oh, um, you burned through it already. Oh, does no. that mean? Does that mean you liked it, or liked does that it. mean it went out? No, no, I liked it. I mean, burned through the whole <laughs> thing. This is why you get annoyed, my friend. My pipe was nice and warm. <laughs> nice deep mm. bowl. That's what she said. Mm -hmm. Oh my, Pat, you're being That's what she said. you're being very quiet, Pat. <laughs> Is that because you're enjoying what you're smoking, or you just don't want to be here anymore? Yes. Well, I, I really do like the type of <laughs> I don't want to be here. Anymore. Like you're getting because the thing about Latakia that I enjoy is you get that smoke output. It's like a fuller bodied pipe tobacco, right? And you're still getting that, but it's not like Latakia dominant. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, it's giving me what I enjoy of Latakia. Being able to introduce like Orientals, but more know. complex. Yeah, so it's yeah. you get to eat your cake and have it too. Mm -hmm. So I, I am really, really enjoying this, and it's I mean each third of the bowl has changed completely. Like I, towards the bottom of the bowl, honestly, you're getting a lot of Latakia in my opinion. I don't know if anyone is experiencing anything different, but I think the Latakia definitely does come forward on the bottom of the bowl. More forward. It's definitely I'm, getting uh, more intense as the bowl goes by. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that, too. I'm about halfway down my bowl here. Mm -hmm. And um, it definitely those those smoky, woody, dark, smoldery, smoky notes are getting stronger. Um, do you think that this process that they put, has it obviously changed the way the Latakia performs to you? 100%. I mean, like I said, on the initial light of it, like that sweetness is like, you know, the main factor. Mm -hmm. And obviously, a lot of the Latakia blends I've had, typically right off the bat, it's going to be like leather, campfire, you know. So to me, like, I think even though like I'm saying at the bottom of the bowl, it's it's like very Latakia dominant. I think mm -hmm. that's a good thing because right. there's still Latakia in the blend. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. the thing about I would. I'm. I'm not gonna rank it as my favorite pipe tobacco, but it's a favorite because it's the experience of you having that like really straightforward sweetness, and then experiencing those Orientals with like those kind of Latakia characteristics to it, and then by the bottom of it, you're just in like a deep Latakia like haven you know mm -hmm. it's very unique and i obviously if you smoke a latakia blend you're not going to get that to me that complexity because typically latakia kind of speaks for itself like if you smoke latakia you enjoy that leather you enjoy those darker kind of earthier notes you enjoy that smoke so being able to 
experience like the you know the best that the orientals can provide in this pipe tobacco to its fullest and then ending with that staple like this is why i like latakia to me it's like you have to get a tin of this because it's it's giving you everything yeah. and it's ending with what latakia smokers look for so if you guys were going to take this pairing and pair it with a food what would it be i'll tell you right now for me it would be steak Steak would go great. And to your point, yeah. after smoking uh, my little bit of wine that I had left, I definitely got that cedar plank, nice juicy ribeye, mm. that hickory taste. Mm. Um, on the tobacco, I got a little bit of more maple of the tobacco itself after mm. smoking the glass. So. Mm. Now, is so is you don't feel offended that you smoked Depot? it? Not at all. <laughs> no, that was a Lowe's plank. <laughs> that is, is that an Ace Hardware thing? Well, I cut that plank myself is what happened. <laughs> oh, wow. Aid plank. Hmm. So uh, the would you rather question tonight, a uh, little bit tame, but I think it, it, it's a good question here. Would you rather have the cigar pairing or the pipe mm. pairing again? Ooh. Dave. I'm going to actually have to go with the pipe. Pipe yeah. pairing, yeah. This is just really good. Mm. I'm not a I'm not a wino, but the uh, winer the... maybe, but not a wino. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was the Don't. <laughs> but it's a the pairing is. I I really enjoy this pairing. I love how the wine it dries my mouth and the pipe makes me salivate. It's very and true. Back and forth. Um, it makes the the pipe tobacco taste savory to me. Um. And gosh, I'm just dreaming about a steak right now. Mm. <laughs> I just feel like it would just go so well. Pat. We'll go with the um the pipe pairing. The pipe pairing. Now I think the cigar pairing was really good as well with that Connecticut because yes. it's a fuller bodied Connecticut, so having some Irish whiskey with like a coffee infusion I think definitely is what I would lean towards for having that cigar. If not just a regular cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. But the pipe pairing, to Dave's point, it's a very complimentary but contrasting pairing. Mm -hmm. Like, for the palate setup, it's contrasting from, like, that kind of dry to wet. Mm -hmm. But then the actual flavor notes are very complimentary. And it's mm -hmm. and it's really, you know, like I said, like, the wine spice is kind of setting up your palate for that sweet kind of hickory spice you're getting from the pipe tobacco. So it's, like, a really nice kind of segue but also like the setup of like the foundation of your palate's contrasting. Yeah. So it's to nice me, to like get the wine and then get the pipe and then go back to the wine and then go back to the pipe. You know, it just you keep wanting to do both. As that much. is when you and, know you have a great pairing. Yeah. You know? Yes. You know, Sorry to interrupt. That. I think your next like pipe club, you should reintroduce this with wine. That's a good Ooh. idea. Um, Shell, brother, broadly. I think I definitely would go with the pipe pairing or the cigar pairing. Um, largely because of my palate, mm -hmm. you know, the the Connecticut was, was fine, but, you know, not m up my alley particularly. And if Jameson doesn't taste like Black Barrel, then I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> not my favorite. Tally but, um, would be proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> but the wine and, uh, the, and the Balkan tobacco, mm -hmm. it goes perfectly, complements each other perfectly. Mm -hmm. Let's go on the shelf's journey. 
Do you guys remember Dave from the eighties the 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 recycle symbol? You know the yeah, yeah, recycle, yeah. reduce, yeah, reuse, close the loop. Yeah. That's what's happening right now. The yeah, loop is closed. We, we it's just going loop, back baby. and forth, and it yep. works working perfectly. So mm. thank you, Pat. Hallelujah. I'm gonna have to echo everything here. The uh, both pairings were great. The uh, the way the wine interacted with the pipe tobacco and just made you want to smoke it again, mm-hmm. which made you want to drink it again. Uh, that to me just gives it that edge. Yes, I enjoyed the first pairing very much. Nothing wrong with it at all. Nothing wrong no, with it. Nothing wrong with it at all. all. I would totally do it again. Mm-hmm. But when you get excited about experiencing what the drink does to the tobacco and what the tobacco does to the drink, and you just get into that groove, that's what makes something really, really great. Thank you. There you go. And uh, next week, so. Next week on the uh, show here, because I think we've all basically said Palmetto Balkan is amazing, right? We've all, yeah, in our yeah. last comments, we've just... Oh, we get to do this again? This is, this is really uh-huh. good. Um, next uh, Tuesday on... Uh, um, oh, gosh. That one what, show what, with what, the name with the four guys. Not just blowing smoke. Next Tuesday on Not Just Blowing Smoke, it's the... Uh, It'll be the, the, uh, is it already going to be the, no, it's going to, it's oh, going to be June, baby. It's going to be June 7th. It's going to be June tomorrow. It's going to be June 7th. I'm having trouble looking at my calendar. Yeah. It's been one heck of a day. Mm. Um, on June 7th, we're going to be smoking the Sindicato Artista Ooh. and 724 Queen City. The latest in the 724's venture into the pipe tobacco world. Ooh, That's a Virginia Perique. It's only available at Twin Smoke Shops. Yeah, baby. I'm wicked excited about it. It is going to be arriving uh, at the end of the week. Hopefully. For us, and I'm pumped about it. So that's going to be an awesome, awesome show. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Not Just Blowing Smoke. The podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and keep in touch with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at NotJustBlowingSmoke. Thanks for listening, everybody, and that is Not Just Blowing Smoke. Rolling with the top down.